This is Patrick Patterson, and you're listening to the NTTB Podcast. All right, and welcome in to episode 22 of the NTTV podcast. Uh, first of all, I just want to give a shout out to uh, OSC Productions. Um, for giving us the uh, the beats that we that we use to kind of introduce the show and and take it to the end, um, you know, those are a couple of our good friends that good friends that I grew up with, and they've always been into music. So, you know, if you if you if anybody needs any type of uh, musical type intro beats or anything like that, um, just holler at me on Twitter or anything like that, and I can go ahead and get you, you know, some beats or something, you know. One of them does beats. One of them does physical media where, you know, he takes pictures and he puts them on, you know, different video games and things of that nature. So if anybody needs anything like that, please holler at me and I'll go ahead and give your uh, your information to them. But once again, I'm I'm Alex, always joined by my co-host, Anthony. How are we doing tonight? And uh, we've uh, we've had a pretty good go about it. We've had, you know, until tonight, you know, we had a little hiccup tonight, but before that we've now we won six in a row, season high, six six winning, uh, six game winning streak, um, and it's it's starting to look better. It's starting to look like like the team is finding their identity. You know, that's one of the big things that we've talked about, uh, where it seemed like the team itself, whenever they were, whenever they were struggling, you know, a couple weeks back to the beginning of the season, they didn't really have an identity. You know, it was it was Russell Westbrook, it was Paul George, and it was Carmelo Anthony on separate islands. Now it seems like they're finally coming together. They're sacrificing a little bit, and the machine is starting to go. They found the rhythm. Yeah, exactly. They it's have no longer three islands. They're they've formed a chain now. They're all connected. And six and one, hell, not knowing the turnaround, mm-hmm. six and one was a a good outlook for this seven game stretch. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, you know, coming be, in how we were playing. Coming, yeah, exactly. Coming in how we were playing. Six and one was. The upside, you yeah. know, we're looking at it. Hey, if we can do, we can do five and two, then then we're still in there. And you know, so to go on six six and zero run, which was the longest streak, is the it was the longest streak in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. Um, up to this point, yeah. up to this point, um, you know, a tough loss uh, tonight against Milwaukee, um, a frustrating loss because it seems like we've reverted back to the old, uh, the old Thunder. And some of, some of that may have had to do for the with the fact that Paul George was out. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and you did have guys step up. Unfortunately, it was just too little, too, too late. Too little, too late. And 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 uh, you know some bad calls that didn't go our way. But overall, the bad calls didn't didn't give Milwaukee almost a forty point lead. No, they, yeah, the bad the bad call didn't give Milwaukee the the twenty point lead in the first quarter. Um, so, you know, there were other than the call and everybody knows what I'm talking about. Hopefully if you, if you watch the thunder, but the call where Giannis Antetokounmpo looked like he stepped out of bounds on the game winning dunk, um, you know, and the refs did not call it. So the explanation on that is that the refs didn't blow their whistle so they couldn't review the play. Mm -hmm. Um, even though it happened, even though it was a scoring play, 
uh, they couldn't go back to review it because the actual fact that he stepped out of bounds was never called. Um, or if anything had been called, if a foul had been called on Houston, they could at least go back and see the whole play and then see him yeah. step out of bounds and then go from there. You know, rescind the foul and, you know, mm-hmm. hey, he stepped out of bounds before the foul. And the I ball mean, if they, if they would have called the foul. If they on, had called something. On Houston, yeah. they would have said that he was not in a defensive position. And would have, you know, kind of like how they did in the uh, oh, look at that, that one horrible uh, <laughs> reversal. But we 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 will we will save our ire for the refs in a little bit. Uh, but I kind of want to go ahead and just go back and review this past week, uh, which was a good week. I actually, you know, we finished two and one um, with wins against Houston, Toronto, and then of course the loss tonight against Milwaukee. And I coming into this week, I thought, okay, two and one probably. I didn't think the one would be the Milwaukee game. You know, I thought the one would be one of the either the Houston or Toronto game, and we actually ended up winning those games, um, not pretty handily. Uh, the Toronto game was pretty handily, but the Houston game it was back and forth, and it was good to see them playing in a game like that where, you know, Houston does not stop. That's the thing about Houston, Golden State, uh, teams like that. They don't stop. You know, they have such offensive firepower on their teams um, that you cannot rest. If you build a ten point lead. You have to keep trying to build that lead up because a 10-point lead against a Houston, against a Golden State, means nothing to them in two minutes. You know, they could go ahead and make that, make that lead up and take the lead in, t- in, you know, in two minutes. Yeah, they have several guys that can go off for yeah. 15 and 12. I mean, Harden. I mean, it, you know, they, they, they have several guys that can do what Reggie Miller did in, to the Knicks in 12 seconds and score three yeah. three-pointers. Yeah, and, very true. Back in the game. Yeah, that's, that's Houston's offense. Houston's offense is, is, is designed – you know, it's still there's still the remnants of the seven seconds or left Phoenix Suns within Mike D'Antoni's system, mm-hmm. um, and so as far as you know, quick, quick strike, you know, three pointer if you're open, take it inside, drive it in, collapse the defense, and kick it back out. You know, they're experts at that, and especially having James Harden, somebody like Eric Gordon now, um, you know, it, it does make it difficult to sustain a lead if you do get a lead and we um, haven't seen them with chris paul yet so we no, have not we faced them yeah with chris paul yet uh they were uh up until he re-aggravated an injury they were th- i think 13 and 0 with chris paul mm-hmm. in the lineup um so uh, again we still have three more games with houston but yeah. <laughs> um we have not seen uh a chris paul james harden houston Back rockets yet yeah we haven't all right so um so that was the christmas game we won it 112 to 107 um, once again, you know, it was it was a it wasn't really a it was a back and forth affair in the first half. Uh then we kinda took control of it in the third quarter and kinda, you know, kept control of it. But again, with Houston, you're never necessarily in complete control of the game. You know, there was it was just a good game where the Thunder made shots when they had to make shots and they made stops when they had to make stops. And it was just a great game to see them finally all kind of come together, uh, work together and get that get that W on Christmas Day. Um, so as far as the stats for that game, so Carmelo Anthony, you know, it was a great game for all for every for all the starters involved. So Carmelo Anthony was eight of twelve, two of four from the three point line. Uh, Paul George was eight of 15, four of seven from three. Uh, Stephen Adams seven of nine, one of one from the free throw line. And then Westbrook was uh, twelve of twenty four, seven of eight from the free throw line. Had six rebounds, eleven assists. Um, Adams had ten rebounds, and then Robertson. You know, he was three or four, two or four from the free throw line. That doesn't really matter. Um, the defense that he played on Harden, just like he always does, um, just kind of it discombobulates that offense. 
a little bit. Uh, whenever Harden cannot go to the free throw line every time he goes down or, you know, shoot a three-pointer or initiate the offense like he always does, it kind of sends Houston into a little bit of a tailspin where, you know, they, they kind of look a little bit off. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, having, you know, if, if Harden's out there and he's being smothered by Robertson, then Gordon has to kind of initiate the offense. And Gordon's not a natural point guard. He's, he's more of a scoring guard. Um, so that, that really helped us out, especially with, with Chris Paul being out. You know, that really helped us out. So Harden himself was 7 of 18 uh, from the field, 3 of 11 from three, from 3. And then, of course, he had his uh, customary 14 free throws where he made 12 of them. Um, so, so, yeah, so great victory. Great game. assist in that game as well. Well, yeah. that's You know what I think Houston was missing that game? What were they missing? Um, Patrick Beverly. Yeah. Yeah, they – I mean, they, they've got- or, or a Patrick Beverly type defender, mm-hmm. because as much as I as much as I can't stand the dude, um, as much as I dislike him, yeah, when he he has an innate ability in to get into Russell's head, he does, and force Russell into bad passes, force Russell into bad shots, uh, and just kind of just kind of make him earn everything, mm-hmm. and I think. Uh, Russell's ability to control the ball in the second half and make the right passes. Yeah, I think that's where your your uh, Patrick Beverly's come into play, disrupt that, and maybe get transition buckets in order to kind of stem the tide the other way. There's not there's not a lot of guys in the in the NBA that um, electrify their team on defense. You know, it's usually offense, a dunk here, a shot there, so on and so forth. Uh, but Patrick Beverly is the kind of guy that electrifies his team with the defense that he plays on that end of the floor. Um, kind of like, you know, Draymond Green does it with Golden State, where he electrifies them, gets them into transition, gets them into, you know, just kind of knowing that if a guy gets past their first line of defense, Draymond is back there and he's going to go ahead and clean up the mess. Um, so, so yeah, they definitely miss a guy like that. PJ, you know, they they have a good defense now. Um P.J. Tucker's a good defender. Trevor Ariza, again, you know, is always going to be a good defender. Chris Paul is going to be a good defender. But you don't have a bulldog out there, mm. you know. So that's what – yeah, that's definitely what Houston is missing now. Uh, they have a little bit more offense. They have a little bit of better spaced-out defense, you know, more overall defense. Uh, but they are missing that bulldog out there. Uh, but, yeah, great win, great Christmas present for Thunder fans. Um, but then we moved on to uh, – on that was on Wednesday – uh, we played Toronto, and Toronto, they came into the game, I believe, no, no, they had, so the night before, up to the night before, they were the number one team in the East, and they lost to, to Dallas the night before, and so they slipped back down to number two behind Boston. Um, so they came into the game, they were number two, number two team in the East, um, and so we played a horrible first quarter, a couple minutes of the second quarter. So we were up by you know, six, seven points in the first quarter, and they flipped the script on us, and they were up by six or seven points by the end of the first. And then they pushed it up to about, you know, 12. 12, I think. Yeah, yeah in the second quarter. And then Jonas Valanciunas decided to uh, go ahead and grab the ball from Russell Westbrook while he was on the ground. And so, you know, of course, Russell did his little, this is my ball, get away from me, get away from me thing, and kind of got the – uh the excitement of Russell Westbrook to a certain level that most teams don't want to get it to. And so once he did that, it was basically curtains for rap for the Raptors after that. And so basically the Thunder outscored them 
pretty much the rest of the way. Ended up winning that game 124 to 107. Uh, 124 is a season high for the Thunder as far as points scored. And everybody got involved. I mean, Carmelo was 8 of 15. Paul George was 11 of 17 with seven threes. Uh, Steven Adams was 8 of 9. Russell Westbrook, 11 of 22. And uh, 13 assists, 8 rebounds. And just, I mean, just everybody got involved. Everybody played great in that game. C.J. Miles went a little bit crazy for the for the Raptors in the first half. That's kind of what got, gave him their lead. He had 20 points. Um, but Dre, once again, uh, did a great job on DeMar DeRozan. Uh, DeRozan finished 4 of 16 from the field and just never got into a rhythm to actually help out um, the Raptors. Him and Lowry just never got into a, a feel with that game. Um, but another another great complete game. Um, yes, we had a little misstep in the first quarter, but the Thunder, as you can see, are starting to kind of get their rhythm, get their pace. Um, so so it's just it's just going well. Valanchunas summoned uh, the Super Saiyan Russell Westbrook. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and did. it was all hell from there. He got dunked on not only by Westbrook himself. Adams got in on this. Oh yeah, and the, posterized at the end of the game. him twice, right? Uh, I know once for sure. Yeah. Where he, I mean, he was walking back looking at his hands. Yeah, you never you never see Stephen Adams celebrate anything. Um, but he put up those, you know, he did the fingers up, and you know he's he's you know gyrating up and down. Um, you, you never see Steven Adams do that, but I guess, you know, I guess Valanciunas brought out the beast in a lot of the guys. Also, uh-huh. and I was at this game, uh, and I was very excited. To his credit, when Valanciunas did that and Russell got up, Adams was the first one yeah, he in was. there and was like, yeah, you ain't do, this ain't happening. You, you remember, We're not having a Zaza Pachulia yeah, moment you remember, from last year. So, so Steven Adams was out for that game. Yes, he, he didn't play that he game. He didn't play so. that game. So I'm pretty sure if Steven Adams would have been out there, Zaza, Zaza Pachulia would not be standing over Russell Westbrook. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. There was nobody out there to defend him. No, there him. wasn't. But Steven Adams made sure that wasn't happening again. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That was awesome. That was great. That wasn't happening again. And he told him, hey, hey, you're not, you're not having this. This is not happening. Um, and then, again, you know, and I told him, I said, I told, because I was with my niece at the time, mm-hmm. who's not traditionally a basketball fan, but she was really into this game. I said, no, they got angry Westbrook out there. It's over. Yeah, it was over. It was. It was basically over after that. Um, you, you don't summon Super Scion um, Russell Westbrook. Westbrook no, and, you don't want and that And he guy. did. He did. And and Westbrook, Westbrook, for his credit, has been just amazing over the past two to three weeks. But you know what his, You know what the difference has been up until tonight? What? The last – and and I, and I kind of throw tonight out of the window because Paul George wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's taken three or less three point shots in the yes, last he is. in the last seven games. Yeah, he is. Except he's. for tonight. Tonight he was two of nine. But kind of. But he, I, he I have that as an outlier because Paul George was out. Mm. But he's taken three point three three pointers or less uh, this whole, during this whole stretch. During this whole stretch, yeah. and they've been winning. Um, and when asked about it, he's like, you know, it's just it's what needs to happen for the game. Russell Westbrook, he he does a good job of analyzing like what he's doing and he, he, he it, you look at the game and it looks like the guy is just playing you know at the you know just by the seat of his pants just yeah. out there just he knows he's more athletic than everybody he knows that he's faster he's quicker he's stronger than most of the guys that are guarding him and so he's using that athletic ability and so we look at it and we don't necessarily pinpoint the the student of the game that he is. The and basketball IQ. Exactly, the basketball IQ. You see this this raw athleticism, and you don't see the basketball IQ that he has developed over the years. And so 
Russell Westbrook does a great job of what what I, you know what I like to say self adjustment, where he analyzes what he's doing, he analyzes what's working, what's not working. He really looks at what's not working, and he tries to stay away from that if he can. You know, if you know, I'm sorry if you're out there in a the game and you're down by 20, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And Russell Westbrook doesn't care. He will do what he has to do to win. Um, but if he also notices that maybe he's hurting his team by doing what he's doing, he will self-adjust and he will go ahead and kind of reel it back a little bit. And I think that's what he's done over the past two weeks. And in that process, he's gotten Mello more involved. He's gotten n- not necessarily Mello, but Paul, Paul George, George more involved. gotten more involved than Mello has accepted a role, which in turn has allowed him to flourish more. Yeah. And not just, I mean, not just them, like even Andre Robertson, Andre Robertson, and I, and I think this is probably more credit due to Billy Donovan. I know we bash Billy Donovan a lot on this uh, podcast, but you got to give credit where credit is due. And I think they've added a little wrinkle to their offense where instead of just parking Robertson out there in a the corner, he's now running the baseline. Which is something I mentioned to you. Yeah, I'm he like, should have been doing this the whole guy season. should be driving because he gets at least four or five feet distance. Between him and his defender, you know, use that to your advantage. Drive mm-hmm. the lane, even if you're not going to take the shot. That's going to draw a defender or or something towards you. You, the more times you do it, they're going to be like, okay, when he's going to start, yeah. you know. And then what ends up happening is, for some reason, he has a weird sense of always going for the reverse when he gets down there. Mm-hmm. Which, if that's wor- if that works for you, then then okay. Yeah. Uh, but every time he gets down there, I mean, he gets open shots. He gets to the lane. I know he can shoot a layup. I'm, yeah, I mean, you can put it <laughs> off the glass. We know that. Yeah. Uh, and to his credit, I don't know where I read this. Uh, I'm not sure if I saw it on Twitter or anything, but I know that they had asked Russell Westbrook, um, or maybe maybe it was Carmelo, somebody, one of the one of the guys in there, mm-hmm. um, and he basically just said that you know he realized that he needed to be less angry per se and just just have more fun out there. Are oh, you talking about Russ? Russell, yeah, yeah, yeah Russell okay. himself. Uh, just, just have more fun out there, and the the angry Westbrook that was there last year with the chip on his shoulder doesn't necessarily have to be that big of a chip. Mm. It relaxes a little bit, and then all of a sudden, yeah, things start flowing. He has more fun in the game. People accept their roles. Uh, everybody people, I has think, more fun in the game. I, exactly. I think everybody has a defined position now, mm-hmm. a defined role, and in turn makes the game that much funner for or more fun for yeah. everybody involved and then all of a sudden you have what we've expected this team to be though this whole time. Yeah, that's I mean it took a while, you know what I mean? And like, it's it's not without its faults because no, we still And it's still a work in progress. Yeah, we still struggle in the first quarter with teams that we should clearly be mm-hmm. get out ahead of. Yeah. Um but overall the whole scheme of things like we fixed our third quarter issues. Uh, yeah, it's our second half issues starting to be- starting to come together. It's it's really starting to come together. It's really starting to kind of mesh and meld and turn into the product that we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. And you know, we as fans sometimes we look we tend to look at things as two K players. So we look at you know we and on two K we we do crazy trades and we do whatever blah 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 blah. And you know we have this collection of talent and everybody does great and. You know, you you got the game on easy mode, and you're right there scoring. You know, 200 points versus the computer's 50 points or whatever. Um, but it doesn't really work that way in real life. In real life, it takes players time to kind of know their roles, especially especially when you're talking about superstar players. You know, you're talking about Paul George. You're talking about Carmelo Anthony, who basically for the past let's say five years, um, 
wore the mantle of the man on their teams. So they took all the shots. They took all the last second shots. They handled the ball the most. They, you know, so their usage percentage was very high, so on and so forth. Same thing with Russell Westbrook last year. Uh, he had to be that man. He had to be. And so you take these guys with the mentalities that with the mentality that they have had over the years as being the man, and now you put them into a group together and you say, hey, figure it out. You guys are a team now. It's not just a collection of individuals. Figure it out. It's going to take time. And it took about 30 games. You know, we've played, what, 32 games, 33 games? Yeah. Um, so it's, it took about a good 27 to 28 games. But it seems like the Thunder are finally there. It seems like the Thunder are starting to roll. Um, the Thunder rolls. And uh, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing that's starting to go that way. And, and again, credit has to be given, number one, to the players for sacrificing, for kind of learning their roles. Uh, but number two, it has to be given to Billy Donovan, who seems to have kind of found his space where he fits in as far as where all the players fit in. Yeah. We're 36 games in. 36 tonight. Games. Okay. 36 games in tonight, which brings me to uh, something you had mentioned to me earlier. Toronto has played, well, at the time, let's say. 31. They've the played time, at the time six I told you, games less than yeah, Boston they, has already. They played 33. They've yeah. played 33 up to this point. Yeah. And that's stupid. That's so. So there was so at one point, like a week ago, was it even? It was, it was, it was Christmas. It was yeah, Christmas Day. Christmas they, Day. they had played seven games less than Boston. Yeah, I, I was like, that's that's that disparity is. I, I I know that I know that Silver Adam Silver kind of messed around with the schedule and is adding more rest in there, is adding doing doing this and doing that. But to have a six game disparity in the standings uh, between two teams in the same conference that are one and two. Exactly. That's that's just way too much. I think there's there's too much space in there. Yeah. Um, I think that that needs to be compacted a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, speaking about the schedule, speaking about Toronto. So so I mean, we went ahead and we we won that game. So we move on to tonight's game. And so you know, many of all many of you guys hopefully have watched that game, um, and you saw the call. So you saw the call where Atenakumbo, uh stepped on the out of bounds sideline. Um, before dunking the ball and basically winning the game. But as horrible as that call or non-call was, this game was not lost at that point. This game was lost in the first quarter. Uh, this game was lost on the free throw line with uh, with the Thunder missing a lot of free throws. As they, they went 12 of 20. But two of those came in that you know near the end of the fourth the quarter. And a half. Russell Westbrook, or actually four of them came. So... So as the Thunder were coming back, um, Russell or Raymond Felton had a corner three. He was fouled on that three. They took a timeout, came back from the timeout. He hit the first one, missed, missed the, next the next two. two. Okay. Uh, then Russell Westbrook comes up and he gets fouled down by, I believe it was three or three or four, or four something at like that. that. Time. He missed both free throws. Luckily, Stephen Adams got one of the free throws. Got I mean got the rebound. And got fouled. Mm-hmm. So he made the first free throw. And then on the second free throw, he made it. But apparently Carmelo Anthony. It was a lane violation. Did a lane violation. So they were down by, I guess, three. Yeah. Or they were down. No, no, no. They were down by three. Air Bledsoe came down. Hit a two. So you just yeah. got to watch the game. But yeah. free throws were a big theme. Missed free throws were a big theme in this game. That was also another questionable call. Because uh, when you look at it in replay, you could see that Atetokounmpo was in the lane before Carmelo was. Yeah. 
But that's something that's not normally called. Nobody calls a lane violation. I don't know. <laughs> nowadays. And I think Eric Gordon, or not Eric Gordon, Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe uh-huh. was also over or under, you know, crossed the three-point line yeah. before the shot hit the rim as well, So, which also would have been another lane violation. So it's kind of I one mean, of those things where, like. And, and so once again, we get into the whole thing about the referees where they pick and choose where they call things. Like, you know, there's lane violation. Like, if, if you play a game, there's usually a lane violation all the time with people trying to get position. Yep. And so, you know, to go ahead and I guess call it whenever the game is on the line, whenever the momentum is starting to build either way, it just doesn't make sense. These, these are, this is the type of calls where you look at it. And especially like if you look at that play, Carmelo Anthony, it was basically a split second thing where he was in the lane, maybe half a second before Steven Adams actually released um, the free throw and Atenakumbo, like like Anthony said, was already in the lane by the time he released the free throw. Now I know Atenakumbo is uh what Mr. Fantastic or Mr. Stretch, whatever whatever that Fantastic Four yeah, character is. Mr. Fantastic, Mr. Fantastic, yeah, and he can stretch all over the court, but he was still in there. So if you if you're gonna call one, you got to call the other one. Um, and it's just it's it's just the inconsistency of the referees this season that has the players mad at them has. You know, coaches mad at them and has referees mad at the players and mad at the league for basically throwing them under the bus whenever, you know, with the last two minute report yeah, there's thing. There's a, a lot of animosity being built. And the last two minute report is supposed to be a way of accountability mm-hmm. for the referees. And in principle and in theory, sure, that's great. But what's being ha- what's being done is you're vilifying with this them. last last two minute report. And I know that the league has I'm sure the referees have like a behind-the-scenes punishment, stuff like that. Um, and that's all well and good. But you just basically release the t- last two-minute report and say, our bad. And, and then it, it seems like nothing's nothing. being done. Yeah, it does nothing for the game itself. And so that leads to tensions and animosities, which boiled over into a referee and an NBA player going, you know, squaring up to each other, mm-hmm. uh, which caused the referee to get suspended for a game and, or for a week. Uh, yeah. And the player, I think, was suspended for, for a game. game. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, so so on Christmas Day, um, the Warriors, of course, beat the Cavaliers. But at the end of that game, there were some questionable calls or non-calls. And so, you know, the last two-minute report came out the next day. And, of course, it showed that, yes, Kevin Durant did foul LeBron James a couple times. Twice, yeah. Twice. And then I think LeBron fouled somebody once mm-hmm. uh, in those last two minutes. And, you know, it's basically like Draymond, and like I agree with Draymond on this, and it's basically saying, what's the whole point of this? You know, what's the whole point of telling us that you got it wrong? There's, there's no point at all. Like for this game, there's no point at all. The only thing that makes me feel better is that, yes, I was right. Atitakumbo did step out of bounds. But besides that, there's nothing that changes the outcome of this game. And so, you know, referees, players, coaches, probably the NBA in general are probably looking at this and saying, What's the whole point of this? I know, I know the whole accountability thing. I know the whole, you know, because one of our referees 20 years ago decided to go ahead and gamble on games that he was refereeing, now we have to do accountability and show that, yes, we do make mistakes. And, yes, we – but it's, it's, it's getting to the point where there's a tension being built between refs and players that's taking on a life of its own within mm-hmm. the game. Mm-hmm. And you don't – you know, there's always going to be that – Ref versus, ref versus player um, thing within a game, but you don't want that thing to start to boil up and start to become an actual part of the game where, you know, guys are getting teed up, guys are getting thrown out of games. You know, what, what's going to happen during the playoffs? Emotions are, you know, if the emotions are high 
during the regular season, imagine how they're going to be in the playoffs. So are, are the referees going to swallow their whistle? Are the referees going to do um, like they did? What game was it? Who was it that was supposed to be kicked out? It was Durant in that Durant in the Christmas game. Durant in the game. Christmas game. So he got a tech early on. They didn't want to give him a technical foul for the second time. And then he did something else within the game where he started arguing so, with. So uh, Calderon. Calderon. Calderon was guarding him, and they called a foul on Calderon. And he did or, something no, he to did, him. Uh, Kevin Durant did something like uh, travel or something, and Calderon was calling attention to it, like, come on, like, hey, you know, that you got to. And Durant was holding the ball and turned around and basically walked with the ball into Calderon's chest, like, Right through him like if he wasn't there. Yeah, something and that would have was like, hey, you would know. have garnered a technical exactly if he hadn't already had one. Any other day, and so oh, you know, we can't give him a tech because you know that would, so he'd I, be at the game. I look at that and I'm split on that decision. On the one hand, yeah, he probably should have gotten that second technical foul and get kicked out of. the I game. I didn't think it was that bad to get a tech. But. Uh, yeah, but on the other hand, yeah, superstars get different calls. Because they have it's the true. ball in their hands more, and, and and I and I get that and I understand that, and I was okay with the non technical foul there, mm-hmm. um, because it's not like he, yeah, he, I mean, he knew he was walking right through Calderon, but it's not like he pushed the ball into Calderon's chest, and but I, I've seen here's it's, and here's the discrep here's the here's the discrepancy. I've seen games literally where Draymond Green or even Steve Kerr with already a tech on them. Will tell you know will throw f bombs at the referees oh, yeah. Yeah. constantly, and won't get thrown out. And if somebody like Demarcus Cousins does it, he gets thrown oh, out. Yeah, in a with impunity, real fast. Yeah, Westbrook sometimes gets thrown out. You know, he, you know something like that will get him thrown out real and quick. And Cousins has come out on the record and said, yeah, yeah, you know, he has a target on his back he because does. he's Demarcus Cousins. There's there's always that one guy in the NBA, whether it's Rasheed Wallace. Um, whether it's you know Ron Artest, whether it's somebody like that, Dennis Rodman, Den- that always has the target on the back, and they, and they love it. They become you know they'll take on the martyrdom of being that guy, um, but at the same time, it's it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. It's, you know, it's kind of like well, granted, like honestly, Paul George, Paul George has complained about the refs in the media before, like before this season, and it's you know there's always been like this quiet thing that. The referees refer, you know, they ref him differently um, than they do other play than they do other superstars because he's he's complained so much to the media about the yeah. referees, um, and so did help his case tonight. Didn't even play in the game and yeah, was criticizing the refs. He's probably gonna get about that last that. call. Uh, you know, to be to be fair on the other side, Demarcus Cousin has earned some of that notoriety, but True. I think where his frustration lies is in like in New Orleans. I think he's slowly turned around and mm-hmm. um, playing with Anthony Davis and they've got something good going there. And then he's still being penalized for the stuff that he did in Sacramento and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, like a player like that, whenever they like their demons haunt them, even when they're showing signs of maturation, yeah. you know, and it's, it's just, it, I, it's, it's easy to say, I wish everybody was refereed the same, but we know that that's not going to happen, but at least be consistent, at least, you know, don't don't take one game and be like, okay, guys, we're gonna ref the game this way, and then come back the next night and it's another, you know, it's another yeah. deal. That's what I'm talking about. To the know? point, we've had that same situation with uh, continuation calls this year. They changed the rule, yeah, and now it seems like from game to game, there's no consistency on what is a continuation and what is a side out. I, I'll, I'll I'll say this: I'm starting to understand the continuation rule as far as. 
if the person has both hands on the ball when they get fouled, like in a regular shooting motion, right. then they get the free throws. But if they're dribbling and then they hear the foul, and then they hear the whistle and right. then they pick up the ball, that's continuation. Right. I mean, that's that's not continuation. That's a side out of bounds. And out. I understand that. And there are clear cases for mm-hmm. that evidence. But um, who was it? I want to say in Houston's game. Yeah. The uh, I want to say it was Harden, but I'm not entirely sure. But let's say for this theory, for this example, Harden mm-hmm. goes up and he's setting up an alley oop. Yeah, and, he, and they give him a continuation, he, yeah. and you can clearly tell that he's setting up an alley oop. I want to say it's to Capella. Yeah, and he got and he got because hacked. he because he threw the ball in the general direction of the rim. I'm like, come on, not that is clearly not yeah. a shot. That is clearly not a continuation yeah, situation. Those are, those are the gray areas, I guess. Those are, you know, it's, listen, being a referee, probably the hardest job in the world. Oh yeah, it's not a job I want. No, it's not. It's it's probably it's not very. Uh, you know, you, you're not going to get a lot of love. You're not going to get. You know, everybody's going to point out your mistakes. You know, it's not it's not it's not a great job to have if you if you don't have strong self esteem, basically. Um, so I, I do applaud them for the job they do. I do kind of, you know, I, I empathize with them, but at the same time, there has to be some consistency within the league, and there's no consistency. You know, like the whole thing tonight, and and this and this this is the league's fault. This isn't the refs' fault. How are you going to have a scoring play at the end? And if something happens within that scoring play, you cannot review it. Review it. it because here's the thing: because it wasn't called on the fl- on the floor. Exactly, nothing if, was called on the floor. If you call it on the floor, you completely disrupt the momentum of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So I understand why you don't call it and you just allow it to go. You know, go ahead. Um, but there has to be, even if it's the last minute of the game, the ability to review every scoring play because something like that could happen, and something like that could affect the outcome of the game. And it did tonight. You know, maybe it's a system where you give, I don't know, the coaches a, a challenge flag. You know, maybe they have one challenge call per whatever, per game. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it just there has to be something better. I mean, this is if this was an NBA Finals game, if this was an NBA playoff game, really? You're going you're gonna to allow the league to – you're going to allow a team to win a game, win a championship – on a play where it should have been called dead a second before. If this were a playoff game, that referee is not refereeing for the rest of the playoffs. Well, yeah, I mean, I know that, but, but let's say it's game well, seven yeah, of the NBA well, Finals. You know, and, and the, the baseline itself, you got to understand, players know how to maneuver that. And so somebody like a Tenacumbo, somebody like LeBron, somebody like Durant, they can maneuver that same move that a Tenacumbo did Without themselves. crossing over, yeah. Well, no, no, no. But I mean, doing the same thing, they might an inch or two over the line, you know. But what are you going to do then? You know, are you just going to let it go? Because that will be replayed constantly, over and over and over. Whether that player, whether that team actually won a championship, you know. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, it's just something that hopefully this off season, something like that will get shored up. Um, but as far as consistency, yes, the refs have to have to be more consistent. Um, they have to, you know, like like my mom. My mom's a big NBA fan, big ba- big basketball fan, and this whole season she's been telling me the refs have no control of the game, and it's, it's true they have no control of the game. That animosity, like we said, the animosity is starting to build to the point where the refs are losing control, and it's gonna get it's gonna boil down to a 
Joey Crawford situation where a ref is going to throw a ref is going to throw out like two or three players at one time because he doesn't have control of the game. Well, they're not the players aren't afraid of the refs. They're not. Yeah, there's no threat mm-hmm. of being ejected or being suspended. That threat doesn't mean anything to them. Yeah. Now, um, and so players are just quick, which. I, and I've and I'm under no illusion whatsoever that players use mind their p's and q's on a basketball court. Mm-hmm. I understand that, but it just seems so weird to me how quickly they drop f bombs on referees. Oh my gosh! Yes. And I'm talking about early on in the game. We talking about first quarter, less yeah. than five minutes in the games, and they're they're like you know. And I understand if you're saying it, you know, like. That's a BS call, this and this and that. You're talking in general. These guys are literally dropping F-bombs to these referees. And it's not, it's not like... And the game just started. And it's not WTF F-bombs. It's no. more like you effing this Yeah, F-bomb. or F-you. Yeah, exactly, or F-you. Like F-you, you missed that call. Yeah. And it's just, it's just there's no threat, there's no fear. Um, yeah, I mean... There's, I guess there's no respect. Um, there's, there's no working... There's no... And I, and I think it goes both ways mm-hmm. because I also think that referees, um, they ref rookies differently because they haven't earned it. And, yeah. and I think they, they ref uh, rising superstars differently because they haven't gotten to that level yet. Yeah. And they referee superstars differently. I get that. Uh, but I think that scale is starting to annoy the players. I, I, think, it's, it, I think it's like – so the NBA itself is they're probably the most player friendly league mm-hmm. um as far as accessibility as far as how it seems like the the NBA itself reacts to its players they're very much you know we have a working relationship we have an open communication between us so on and so forth and a lot of the players like if you look at the NFL a lot of the big time leaders aren't necessarily the representatives for the players union. You know, so you're not going to have a a paint man and you're not going to have a uh, Odell Beckham Jr. You're not going to have somebody like that representing each team in the player union. In the NBA on the other hand, you have LeBron, you have Dwayne, you have Chris Paul being the president, I, I believe of the players yeah, union. Chris Paul's the president, LeBron's the vice president. Exactly, LeBron's the vice president. So those guys have clout. And at some point, you have to ask yourself whether that's a good thing. Um, because if you have this culture that's starting to build, where you're starting to have players basically not respecting refs, you have to wonder where that's going to go maybe two, three, four years down the line. Um, and you have to wonder whether the referees themselves are going to start to not necessarily retaliate. But buck back. But, but Exactly. Yeah. Buck, you know, humans are humans. Regardless of what profession you have, you know, if you if you punch a priest enough, the priest is going to come back at you in the name of Jesus, in the name of in the name of God. Yeah, he's going to come back at you. You know, he's, humans are going to be humans. And so if you if you are going to come at me negatively enough times, I'm going to flip the script on you and come back at you and not turn the cheek like I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just it just makes you wonder if if we're in for something like that either this season or in future seasons coming up as the players gain more power uh, within the NBA structure. Um, but 
off of that, that was kind of whoa, that was way tangent that we yeah, went that to. But a, I mean, that's 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 it's, it's something that's happening right now, and it's not just affecting us. It's affecting the it's whole. It's affecting league. the whole league and big people, superstars, and you know, look, hey, the NBA is getting richer off these fines for criticizing the officials, but I, I think it needs to happen. And, I mean, I, like you say, richer. The, well, the that, NBA itself, I mean, that, that goes to charity. That money goes into a pot, and that pot is divided up between the charities, charities and yeah. stuff like that. So, but, I, but you know, the fines are still coming. Yeah, they um, are. And it's, it's I mean. It, and it's, like LeBron said, you know, and he said uh, when they asked him about it the next night, uh, it's not like the referee, if you go to the referee afterwards and be like, hey, that wasn't a foul, and the referee's like, okay, you know, my bad, I missed that or stuff like that. They're just like, no, that w- there was no call. There's nothing. You know, to they can't blatant and and they can't. Yeah, but you can't tell me that in the ref in the leagues and throughout these games, a referee has never been like, you know, my bad, I missed that one. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, and I'm pretty sure they have, but I'm pretty sure that, that you know, I mean, within a game, they're called makeup calls. You know, where they'll do a crappy call on one end and then call an offensive foul on the other end for a legal screen or something like that. Um, but I mean, you can't really, you can't really go up to a player and say, "Hey, that was my bad. I missed the call that lost you guys the game." You know what I'm saying? Like, like a referee can't go to LeBron and say, "Hey, you know, Kevin no, Durant did hit you on the head, but my no, bad." No, I don't think he was saying the referee coming to LeBron. But if LeBron goes to talk to the ref and be like, "Hey, well, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know," t- talking to the referee saying, "Hey, look, he slapped me across my arm," and the referee is just, and the way he made it seem just blatantly. Puss, ignoring, puss the hand up. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Being like, hey, that, that was a no call, and yeah. I don't want to hear it. Uh, you know that builds frustration. That does, and that that builds that builds animosity between the two parties. That does. Um, so let, let's move on to uh, to things that we've seen basically in this in the six game run that are positives. That are that are things that are you know looking to to be trending upwards. Yeah. So the return. So no, no. Well, before we do that. Man, that dunk Westbrook had on Thon Maker. Oh, <laughs> I mean that. I mean Westbrook. Westbrook became his father right there. That's Westbrook now has two sons, Noah and Thon Maker. Ah, that was, was just that was sick. He goes up with the left, switches over to the right, and just basically obliterates Thon Maker in the process. I mean, in in, in Thon's defense, you know. Westbrook was a charging train at that point. You know, he was by the time Thon realized what was going on, he should have just stayed out of the way. He should have just he shouldn't even jumped. But yeah. he tried to jump and he couldn't really reach his apex when Westbrook was already at his apex and just just flushed it on him and won. You know, so did he make the free throw? He did make the okay, free throw. Okay, he made he made that one. At he least he got an one on that. One. But that was that that was an amazing dunk. That was that's one of those that you'll be seeing Sunday night. When they do the top plays for the for the week, yeah. it'll be on. It'll definitely be on there. But kind of kind of going with that, the return of MVP Russ. I mean, Russell has been awesome these past two mm-hmm. weeks. Like the guy is efficient. You know, he went through a stretch there of about two to three weeks where he was shooting ten of thirty. Yeah, well, um, when they played Philadelphia, um, and you know they won in a triple overtime, and he tells. Joel Embiid to go home. Embiid then afterwards was like, "Well, you know, I wish I could shoot thirty three times." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, shoot. Yeah, since that, that was game, his comeback. Since that game, um, he's been very efficient. He's been very selective on his shots. Like you said, he has stayed away from the three point shot uh, up to this game. He's lived in the elbow shot. He has. He's lived in the mid range, and he has completely 
eating up points, eating up points uh, from the mid range with that little elbow jumper, with the little you know twenty two, twenty one foot sh- you know jump shot that he that he's he's become so great at. Um, and then you know he's picking his spots, he's driving to the basket more, he's finishing more when he gets to the basket. And even though you know tonight was not uh, very good for him from the free throw line, he has gotten better from the free throw line. Uh, during this uh, time period. So the return of MVP, Russ, that's a great thing. You know, and I, and I think that's something that has to continue for the rest of the season um, for this team to be successful because, like Carmelo Anthony said, we will adjust to you. Yeah, we came here to play with you, Yeah, he said not that, the other way He around. said that at the beginning of the season, we came here to play with you, and then a couple days ago he basically said, look, we need this type of Russ to continue. We will adjust to that Russ um, not the other way around where Russ was, you know, basically neutering himself to get others involved. Yeah. Because once Russ does that, he's thinking too much. Russ just needs to play his game. Um, so the re- so this is a very, you know, this is a very good thing for the Thunder for Westbrook to get back to where he was. Yeah, and the return of MVP Russ as a byproduct uh, also welcomes back the return of pick and roll Adams. Yeah, very true. Who very quietly racks up 10, 15 points oh my gosh, in yes. the first half without you even noticing. What game was that? Uh, well, he did it Wednesday night and against Toronto he had, and then Monday night he so, also had 15 points yeah, so that was the, in the uh, first half. That was the, the Houston game. The Houston yeah, game. Yeah, where I looked up. up. I looked up in the middle of the second quarter, and I was like, damn. Yeah, he had 50 points. Adams already has 15 points? And then he didn't even attempt a shot in the After second that, half. Yeah. But Wednesday night he also racked up like 12 or 14 points Yeah, early pretty on. quickly. Um, and then I think racked up another four to six afterwards for a total of like eighteen. I, th- I think I think the further evolution, you know, kind of getting, you know, Russell getting into a a, a chemistry with Melo with PG. I think the next evolution within this team is getting Adams more involved at the end of games because it's there. You know that that two man game between either him, Russ, and Adams. Or even PG and Adams. George and Adams, yeah. They it's there, and, it's, and it's, it's something that can be unleashed and can be a weapon um, later in games, not just in the first half. Um, so, yeah, so MVP Russ, awesome to have him back. Carmelo Anthony accepting his role. So, so we had a Twitter question uh, from, uh, let's see, from Thunderous Obstinacy. So, OKC Obstinacy, so our boy. Uh, that has asked us many questions before, and he had a question related to Carmelo. So how much has Melo's willingness um, to be a screen setter opened up the offense? And it's been great. I mean, him accepting his role as not being the number one guy anymore and not not being that that guy that's wholly inefficient from the mid-range has been great for this team. So Melo has... Taking that step back, he's been the sacrificial lamb, um, but in a way to where he's still being very efficient in his own. Um, but he's setting up other teammates. You know, he's he's just making the right play most of the time. Well, that down screen, the second and third down screens that he sets, um, they usually lately, frees up George. Frees up George exactly. Um, and then by freeing up George, that draws the defense away from Melo. Mm-hmm. And then later on in games, it allows him to get his little jab step and drive, which he's been jab stepping and driving to the basket a lot more, a couple yes, of dunks. Um, and then when that gets going, he can jab step, draw them off him, and then pull up for 
his you know signature mid range jumper. Yeah, it's it's been great. It's been you know this is this is what this team needed is for somebody within the big tree within the big three to kind of say, hey, I'll go ahead and play my role for this team and somebody see how to it be happens. the Chris Bosh. Exactly, somebody to be the Chris Bosh, and he has taken that role and has has been very successful in it. So hopefully, again, another thing, MVP Russ, and then Melo accepting his role and kind of sliding into his role. As long as those things continue, this team should be very efi- a lot more efficient and a lot more successful on the offensive end. Um, now, kind of a negative, Alex Sabrinas. The hell is up with him? What's going on with him? He has not had the last the last couple of games have not been great. And uh, I'm not and I'm not even looking at him on the offensive end. And he's he's just been exposed defensively. Oh, man. And the and the problem is is that his offense is not helping him out either. So no. he's getting exposed defensively and his offense isn't there. No, it's not. He's and he's not getting time like, you know, shooters need time sometimes. You know, it's it's very rare that you find a shooter that just comes off the bench and is, you know, cooking right then and there. Shooters need time. And whenever he's been given the opportunity to start sometime this season, you know, because of he's injuries had to George, five starts in yeah, total. He's done well. This game not so much. This game very quickly, he got exposed by Middleton, he got exposed by um, you know, a couple times got switched on onto the Kumbo. You know, a couple times had a Bledsoe on him, and he got exposed very quickly. Part of the reason probably why Milwaukee got out to that 20-point lead in the first quarter, and probably part of the reason why – did Houston start the second half? Houston started the second Yeah, half. why Houston started the second half instead of Abrinas. Well, I just think Houston also, because of his length and his defensive ability, um, just kind of – He's eating up some of Alex's time because he can play defense a little bit better than Alex does. And honestly, he's been performing better on the offensive end and consistently. Then, then his defenses has led man, to to some dunks, has led I to some three pointers. Houston has put some posters on these, these last couple these last couple weeks. Oh yeah, he put a poster today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those first two points he scored, he just came through that lane. He saw he saw that lane open up, and he just rose up and just smashed it on him. Um, Houston has been. I think I think this team is going to regret not picking up Houston's fourth year option uh, come next year or come this off season. You know, I just I just have visions. Like I told you, I've, I've told you this. I, I look at Houston and I see somebody that Houston can give five million, you know, five million per year for three years, three or four years. Plop him in the corner and he'll shoot. He'll rain threes all day long and then play defense on the other end or San Antonio yeah. or. You know somebody like that, and it's not going to take a lot necessarily to to pry him from the Thunder. If the Thunder don't, you know, don't don't whatever whatever another team gives yeah, them, especially the cap hit we're potentially facing. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like I, I wish, I wish like Singler's contract we could give it to him. And may, I mean, maybe we could this offseason. Maybe maybe we can finally unload Singler and give that money to Houston. to Houston. Uh, but I, I think we're going to rue the day that we did not pick up that option. Uh, because he's been great for this team. He's been real good. Um, so I have another Twitter question from um, from Michael Brown, at Michael50776803. I don't think that's a social guy, so don't go trying to uh, to steal his identity. But his question is, would you rather trade Abrinas or Ferguson? So, I mean, as far as that, like that first question, I would rather trade Abrinas. Yeah, me too. As much as I like him, I think Ferguson has a lot of upside. He's mm-hmm. super scrawny right now and needs to put on a lot of like NBA muscle. But but the potential is there as offensively a, as, and defensively. As a two way, exactly as a two way player, the potential is there. 
So yeah, much rather I'd much rather keep Ferguson and trade Abrinas. Uh, and then the next question is also: Would you diminish your long-term upside with a short, basically with a short-term deal, and trade Abrinas for Courtney Lee? Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, I mean Courtney Lee's a good shooter, but I would much rather get like a Lou Williams. Yeah, I, I put that out there on Twitter a couple. And couple I, yeah, days ago. I think I saw that there, but like because I know Lou My Williams. Goodness, yes, Lou Williams. He gets off and he gets off consistently. Yes, Courtney Lee goes through stretches. That's true, but Courtney Lee plays defense. That's true. The thing. Courtney yeah. Lee plays a lot more That's defense uh, than does Lou. Lou Williams is zero defense, but man, the guy can cook on the other end of the floor yeah, quickly. But when I look at our team, when I look at this team, we've got plenty of defense. That's true. We defense is not the issue. What we need is fire off the bench. We need a microwave, and Lou Williams would be that microwave. Yeah, oh, he yeah. would. He would set off more light bulbs than the Wednesday game. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, okay, so. So Courtney Lee, yeah, I would love to have Courtney Lee. I would love to have, you know, somebody like Tyreek Evans. Tyreek Evans won't won't give you too much from the outside. I mean, he's improved as a shooter, but Tyreek Evans can guard positions one, two, and three, and sometimes even four, kind of like uh, Dion Waiters did uh, during that playoff run where he was guarding. Yeah, who was it? Draymond. He was guarding Lamarcus Aldridge sometimes. Um, but yeah, Lou Williams, man, he's my he's my dream get. He's like if we could get somebody to if we can get somebody this this uh trade deadline, if we get Lou Williams, whoo wee, man, that would that would be crazy. That would be crazy and that would be I mean, as far as the offense goes, we we would we would completely be better than we are well, now. Well for our bench at least. At least for our bench. And I mean, in lineups you put him out there with, you know, Mello with the big three, Adams and Lou Williams. You know, that's, oh that's, yeah, I mean he'll do basically what he did at least. That's Houston a little. That's year. a little John song right there. It's yeah. just shot, shot, shot. I mean, just all over the place. Um, so yeah, so yeah, Brinus, kind of in, probably probably starting to be in in Billy Donovan's doghouse, and kind of starting to be in our doghouse also. I mean, look, I like the guy, and I still think he's ten, fifteen pounds too light. Yeah. Um, and I I think that's just he needs more strength. His problem is athleticism. I mean. He's he's the NBA athlete is not the Euro athlete. And so, you know, when those guys get ahead of steam and they're blowing by you, you got two options. You can either let them go by you and hope that your uh that your backside help helps you out, or you can do what he does sometimes and just kind of slide into it. And it it's usually an and one. Here's my thing though. So if if your athleticism is not there, if that's not what you have. You need to overcome that somehow. And I don't care how many minutes Alex Abrinas plays and how many defenders go by him mm-hmm. if he's shooting 60% from three-point. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's not what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and so he either needs to work on his defense and put a little bit more NBA muscle on, or he needs to work on his shooting and just be lights out. It's all about your net. It's all about – so Andre Robertson. If he was not as great defensively as he is, if he was not holding, you know, Harden to shooting, you know, eight of twenty-two or holding uh, DeRozan, you know, shooting eight of twenty-one type thing, uh, then his production on the offensive end would completely overshadow his production on defensive end. Robertson's case, though, he's a great defender, and so his production on defensive end kind of allows it to balance his, his. an inability to be that great of an offensive player. Abrinas, on the other hand, because he's not a microwave-type shooter, because he needs probably 
couple times, a couple minutes, you know, in the game before he starts to get uh, warmed up. You know, by the time that he gets warmed up, if he's given up, you know, five, six, seven points he's on the out other of the end, game. Yeah. he's out of the game. He man. literally, I literally saw him Wednesday come in the game. Forty-five seconds later, he was out of the game for yeah. Houston because he had given up uh, two two drives to the lane and mm-hmm. a foul. And you can't you can't have that out there because in the NBA they see that. And so they see where the weak link is, and they're going to target that weak link all the time. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so, I mean, he has to shore that up, and he has to, you know, he, he offensively he is who he is as far as not being a microwave, as far as, you know, needing time, and that's fine. But on the other end of the floor, you have to go ahead and prevent them from scoring in bunches. Um, so, you know, Abrinas, hopefully he, he kind of shores it. Because, I mean, he's been able to do that before. He's, he's played – decent enough defense yeah. to stay out there on the floor yeah. but lately in these pa- past couple of weeks he just he has been getting lit up and has to be taken out of the game could he be hitting a wall you know how college players hit that wall but he had he has be, a full season under his belt right but it's not like he got a whole lot of game time last year uh he got a lot more last year than he has been getting this year wow yeah <laughs> you know i read this article where it's talking about um veganism in the NBA, yeah, it's, and how the it's M- a growing thing, yeah, and how the NBA has gotten has gotten more thinner, has gotten more athletic, so you no longer see the big bulky like we've always like we've always said on here. How would Shaq do in this league? I don't think Shaq would do as great as he did no. in the nineties. No, um, and so somebody like Alex that put on ten fifteen pounds of muscle this off season, maybe that's working against them. Maybe on those drives where, pe- where, def- where the, the, the opposing player is driving against them, maybe last year he was light enough to be in position and better defensive position. To slide better. To slide better than this year where he's a little bit heavier. Maybe that split-second difference where he's slower causes him to rack up fouls and ones, things of that nature. So, I mean, so it's, it's it's something to watch about it, you know, when it comes to, uh, to Abrinas. And so, so we look ahead to New Year's Eve, the Mavericks. So last time we saw the Mavericks, they were putting a mollywop on us. So that's whenever we were kind of had no identity, kind of, you know. Um, so hopefully regardless of whether Paul George plays, we come into this game a little bit more focused. This should be a game that we should handle we should. based on how we've been playing in the last seven games. We should handle this one pretty efficiently. Yeah, because, I mean, even, even this, this game, this Milwaukee game, as crappy as we looked in the first quarter, we looked a lot better after that. Yeah. You know, we looked a lot more in sync. We settled down. Exactly. We settled down, looked a lot more in sync. Um, so hopefully, you know, this game, you know, we may be down two starters this game because Robertson, Robertson said that he, was, it, yeah. he was, notice, you know, he was <laughs> noticeably limping when he was leaving the locker room. He took a tomahawk chop to the face. That too, yeah. a Kumbo as well. And which was a no call. Yeah, which also was which a no was call. Which was a no call on a fast break layup. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so – I, I don't think with the way this team has been playing, regardless of whether George is out there or, or I, I think this team will find a way to beat the Mavs on New Year's Eve. And usually we do pretty good on New Year's. You know, you, New yeah, Year's we Eve are games. pretty good. All right, so um, on to uh, NBA. Usually we're playing Phoenix, though, aren't we? Yeah, we usually play Phoenix. Phoenix we play yeah. or the Clippers. We play the Clippers. Uh, you know, sometime before that too. Yeah. So all right, so moving on to NBA news.
That was my jam back in the day. Oh man, I love that song. John me, John Tesh, John Tesh did it. Yeah. John Tesh did it for me. That, to me, that. the NBA should buy that song, oh and that gosh, should be the yes. final song. It doesn't, regardless of what network it's on, that should be the NBA yes. Finals theme song. Yes, they should. Okay, so a little bit of NBA news. So Houston. So when they had when they when CP3 came back, they had, they won like 12, 13 in a row. Thirteen in a row, yeah. While he was in the game, so CP3 went out. And they've lost five in a row. And he came back tonight, and they still lost. And they still lost. And so that that Boston game was it last night? Last night, yeah. last Woo! night, Harden. Well, first of all, I was always under the let's impression. Talk, let's talk about the refs again. Yeah, I, I was always under the impression that there was four refs at a game. They always had an alternate just in mm-hmm. case something happened. Yeah. Apparently, that's not the case. One of the referees got hurt yesterday, and so Houston played that entire game with only two referees. Yeah. Neither here nor there. You know, uh, it's it's not a it's not a problem whenever Houston has a twenty point lead. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. They blow their lead. They blow a twenty eight point lead. I think it was. Yes, yeah, it's, it's up there. Uh, which I think is the largest lead blown this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes late cl- during clutch time. Uh, Marcus Smart was able to draw a foul, an offensive foul during an out of bounds ball, and he flopped uh, on Harden. He flopped. I think he flopped on that one, he, or he sold it at least. Oh yeah, he sold the hell. He out of sold it. the hell out of it. I give you that one. Uh, they call it anyways. Okay, fine. So Boston ball. They Boston the ball. ball back. They're down they one. Back it's seven point three seconds left. Mm-hmm. Harden in his frustration. No, no, hold on. They inbound it to Horford, and Horford. Oh yeah, Horford makes turns the, around, turns around, and uh, scores the basket, which and ends so, up being the game winning shot. And so they're up by one. Boston's up by one. With Houston point, has no timeout. Seconds, yeah. Houston has no timeout. They have to go full length of the court. Mm-hmm. Um, which horrible time management by Mike D'Antoni. But anyways. And Harden just literally, Does like a freight train, thing. just runs right through Marcus Smart. And obviously they call that. And again, he, you know, like, what did I do? Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I'm just like, you, you got to know better. Very smart. You got to know better than to try the same play mm-hmm. um, twice. They already called it on you once. What makes you think they're going to call it on you? Yeah. They're not going to call it They're going to be consistent time. right there. Uh, you know, at that point <laughs> in the game, they're going to be very consistent. And, you know, call the same thing if you do the same yeah, action. So this game was on TNT, which led to, and then the Portland game. So Portland played right after. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also came down, came back from an 18-point deficit. In the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter. Um, which led to Napier. Back-to-back uh, deficits by the home team overcome yeah. to win the game. That's um, a, it was a good night last night to it watch, was a good watch night. the NBA. Uh, but, yeah, but Houston has lost five in a row. And, you know, so that, you know, they used to, they had a, you know, a two or three game lead there at first place in the Western Conference about two weeks ago. Uh, that is no more. You know, they're down by two and a half games, I think, or three games uh, to the Warriors now. And I think, I think that's that's the uh, the nail in the coffin as far as their chance to be the number one seed in the West this, this season. Um, but I mean, as far as yeah, they're back two games. Now. They're back two games. As far as uh, you know, returns in the NBA. You know, the injury bug kind of bit. A lot of teams pretty hard there at the beginning of the season. Um, so players like Blake Griffin, CP3, um, Isaiah Thomas, you know, Kawhi Leonard have all kind of missed significant time in this early going. Um, but in this past week, all all of them have come back or should be coming back pretty soon. Isaiah's practice full contact. Today, right? Today with the team. Yeah, he practiced. And he played court. a couple G League games to get. Oh, or, he, he? or he practiced down with the G League okay. to get some some repetition and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that's good. I mean, look, the NBA, 
the the more players that can play that are superstars, the better. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm completely glad that Kawhi is back. I'm glad that Blake is is back. Uh, CP3, you know, he's he's so CP3. So you told me that he's eligible. He's eligible to sign an extension, a, a four year contract extension now. How how would you feel about that if you? Were I Houston? wouldn't do it if I were Houston. Because I mean, when they talk about four year extension, you're talking about a max. You're not. He's not talking about a four year twenty million dollar extension. Well, no. and he can only go four years because the NBA has a rule that you cannot sign a player to a max deal past the age of thirty seven. Okay. Um, so once you get to thirty seven, you know they're slide so, it down. So with, to basically to protect the teams within within the time frame of the contract because he's not thirty seven. No, but he's thirty three now. So yeah. this would be his last co- big oh, mega okay. deal contract. Okay. They couldn't offer him a five year deal basically because oh, he would be thirty seven. Because the length of exactly, contract. which happened to Nene this uh, past off season. That's right. Yeah, uh, that's true. Houston was going to offer him uh, a certain amount. And- like, yeah, uh, over over 15 million or something like that and they couldn't yeah. um because of his age and stuff like that okay yeah um but yeah man they're back man i, I would i wouldn't do it if i was houston at yeah. least not to a max deal yeah heck no uh yeah. he's always seemed to have an injury bug um here follow him throughout his career and i i just i just wouldn't i would save some of that money to get you another this, player this offseason is gonna be very interesting you know with, with guys like cp3 and isaiah thomas on the market because number one, there's not going to be a ton of money out there to be had. Um, so yeah, I mean you can make deals here or there. You can you know you could drop dead salary, dra- you know drop a little bit of dead weight as far as salary goes. There's not big money, but there's not you know there's not going to be huge money like max money out there. Um, and so guys like CP3 and and Isaiah Thomas, as far as getting a lot of money, getting either max or close to max, they could probably only go with the teams that they're currently at. And the teams they're currently at, they might be like, hey, we're your only option. Either you sign this deal or try your hand at somebody else. Yeah. You know, so it's going to be very interesting to see how those big names fare uh, during free agency this year. Um, but you got anything else? I got two things for you. Two things. All right. So the 2K leak proved to be correct. Okay. The Oklahoma City City jerseys are gray uh, with white letters trimmed in yellow. And then basically have some of the logo stripes on there. Your opinion on it? You know, so go I kind of go ahead and eat crow. I kind of bashed them when I saw them on the 2K leak, um, but kind of seeing them out and about, you know, kind of seeing them in in person, they look kind of nice. I kind of like them. I kind of like the, you know, a lot of people were bashing on it and saying it looks like a like a, a Ross jersey, like something you would buy at Ross or something like that. I, I kind of like them, and I kind of like the idea behind. So you have you have you you know you're the thunder, and so what's usually associated with thunder? Yeah, so you have the gray, gray clouds. clouds and things like that. Um, so I mean, hey, it works for me. I like it. So they're on sale now. Mm-hmm. They will be worn on January 25th. Is the yeah. first game that they'll be worn. I like them. I told you when I when they first came out, I'd have to see them in person to give you a better yeah, definition. They look, they look good. Um, so second controversy: Nike did not for the first time in five years. There has not been a alternate Christmas jersey. I thought that was a mistake. Nike did not release one this year. I thought that was a mistake on their part. And I mean, look, you can go ahead and tell me all you want that you know you just got the contract this year, but you knew about it coming in. I just can't believe how seemingly unprepared Nike is. Yeah. Because so to start the season, I went to the season ripping. opener. Well, you had the jerseys ripping, but to start the season in Oklahoma City. 
uh, they only had Adams and Westbrook jerseys. No George, no no Anthony. Oh, I know. And I mean, I can understand Anthony because Anthony was acquired two days before training camp, but George was acquired July first. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, so uh, you get to the so those are the iconic in the association. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to the next alternate jersey, which George was the one that yeah. still no Paul George jersey available at first sale. Only Russell Westbrook. I know that's. Uh, it, it, and then you get to the it city. It is a it is a big mistake on their part. You get to the city jersey. Only Russell Westbrook available in adult. Paul George available in youth size. Yeah. Stephen Adams available in the t-shirt. Mm-hmm. The jersey t-shirt thing. Yeah, they I, they have just, seemed he, they sat they and have I'm sure, seemed unprepared yeah. for for the rush. I mean, especially Christmas time. Yeah. Come on, like you had you, you. I mean, you had this opportunity to go ahead and showcase your marketing ability and you dropped the ball i mean well they did bring back the kobe and lebron puppets <laughs> okay which were awesome but you can't sell those yeah that's that, true those aren't for sale but it just seems like i'm pretty sure that nike focused their attention on the golden state warriors because they're the, the champions and the cleveland cavaliers because they were mm-hmm. in the finals and those guys had multiple jerseys available but it seems like they were unprepared for everybody else yeah and, and it, that just and like Nike other fan, being, other fan best faces have money too. But Nike being as big as they are, mm-hmm. that just baffles me that they're not ready. Yeah, oh, I know. And then again, it baffles me that they just wait. Because let's be honest, Adidas basically created this niche market just to sell more jerseys. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We all bought them. I have like three Christmas Day jerseys because they were they were great. They were awesome. They were awesome. I, I wish they would have used them at other times of the year. The solid color jerseys, I think, were awesome. The, the cursive writing thunder yeah. on it. I mean, it was they were just. They were they were clean, they were crisp, and they were honestly they were a little bit different than the rest of the jerseys out there. Yeah. And so, plus some of the color schemes played nicely into the yeah, Christmas the, theme. The red, yeah, you had the, red and green. the Bulls versus the Celtics in red and green, mm-hmm. and you had the Thunder versus um, the blue and white. So I think that was. I know the Thunder were the blue, but you we, San Antonio we, like we play San Antonio it was like blue and white, or Silver. and like Houston would have been like blue and. Uh, blue and red, and you yeah. see what I'm saying. So nice Christmas, t- t- but I think they just left a whole market. Or even, of, e- or even if you look, you put out the leak. Even if you would have put out the city jersey, and that's what I told you, I thought they were going to do. That would have been something brand new. That would have been something that, you know, us we're going to watch the games regardless, and we're going to talk about the game itself. Um, but you know, the seemingly wayward fan that just watches it on occasion, Christmas and whatever. They would have looked at those jerseys and been like, oh, man, those are different. What are those jerseys? And they would have piqued their interest and probably, you know, but no, you didn't do that. And that kind of that really disappointed yeah. me. So only about 17 teams have been confirmed now because the rest of them, teams uh, well, like I, Houston I think, and stuff like that. I think like 28 that. have. So the only ones that have not been confirmed yet are Miami and um, – Well, no, the Miami one's been confirmed. But like teams like Houston and stuff like that, theirs haven't been we, – we've seen the 2K one. Mm-hmm. But the the league hasn't come out and like officially confirmed those yet okay. because they won't be wearing theirs till later on in the season. Okay, so gotcha. of the seventeen that we've seen, we're gonna they're gonna start rolling out as soon as um, the week of January fifth, I believe, is when we're gonna start seeing teams wear mix in that city jersey. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be sprinkled in. Ours is the twenty fifth, but I know I think Golden State's gonna wear theirs on the fifteenth. Mm. Um, and I think I saw some team like Utah or something like on the fifth. So they're going to be sprinkling in through the month of January. Oh, okay. Of the ones that you've seen so far, what do you like? What do you don't like? I love the Miami ones, man. 
Uh, the old school Miami Vice. Miami Vice. Colors. I mean, I just think I just think as far as as far as nostalgia, and as far as just like funkiness, like that's just like you don't see pink on a jersey. Yeah. You know that. I mean, it just it just fits with them. Like it seems very Grand Theft Auto like. It does. It does. Yeah. It, it does seem, seem that way. Although I've never played that game, and I and I hate the concept of that game. Um, you know, my nephews have played that game before, and I'm like, you need to put that up. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it just it just seems it, they seem very clean. Um, and they just seem very crisp. It just seems it's something different. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like, like a, it looks like Miami. Like you think of Miami, you think of like a flamingo out well, there. South Beach. Of, That's yeah. the classic South Beach that you see when Color you get scheme. there. The um, Tony Montana when the shot at the hotel with the neon lights. Exactly. That's, that's what you think of when you think of Miami. So yeah, I, I love those, and I love I like the uh, what else. You know, a lot of people are bashing the uh, the the Mamba ones, the Lakers, the Lakers, the Black Mamba, yeah, Kobe Bryant I designed. Liked them. I really like them. Yeah, but see, to me, like, I thought they were different. That's nothing different because they've already worn they those. They have a black. One. They had the they had the black jersey before, yeah. um, and it's it, basically the difference is instead of being lined uh, trimmed in purple, mm-hmm. this is just straight. I just thought lined it, in, I, th- in I just yellow. thought it was cool that they commemorated Kobe like that. Like they allowed him to help out with a jersey. I thought it was real cool about that. Yeah, I mean, look, we retired his jersey. Um, I didn't realize that his numbers were almost identical, both eight and twenty-four. And so, what do you mean? basically, he had like sixteen thousand seven hundred and twenty points oh, as number okay, eight, and he had sixteen thousand six hundred and fifty-five points. Yeah, yeah uh, his stats were almost identical oh, wow. uh, in eight and twenty-four, and I didn't realize that. So you honor both, you know. But like he won, so he won three championships with eight and two with twenty-four. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. But he won his MVPs and stuff with like 24. that with twenty-four, and um. He had ten All Star appearances at eight and eight uh, and eighteen as no 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 that's twenty eight ten and or he had eight as eight and ten as, as twenty four yeah okay um, I liked um, I like Utah's yeah I, I like them too I think they're different I think they're colorful I think that represents the area that they're in the mountain the regions Grand the Canyon the, yeah. Um, I like. I definitely like Utah's. I hate Orlando's. Oh my gosh, those um, are horrible! <laughs> it's the, like Disney. Disney took a crap on a jersey and said, "Here, wear this." Yeah, but that doesn't even look like Disney. That's it's the just thing. Stars. It's just like Ugh. it's like a constellation. So, um, Cleveland's is cool in gray. I, I like. I like New York's. I like New York's with the fire. Oh, the fire department. Fire yeah, department that's emblem. pretty cool. Um, I liked uh, Boston's is simple. It's just gray. The only difference is yeah. it's just gray. But I mean, they've ha- they've already had a gray jersey. Yeah. That's, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's there's some that are fun, and there's some that is just kind of like the uh, Golden State has basically the same logo, but they just have a Chinese dragon in there. Yeah, uh, for the Chinese New Year. Um, so the Clippers look different. I guess it has the blue. See the, the, light, Clipper, the powder blue. The Clippers colors look like Thunder jerseys. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and. and uh, there's another one that looks like uh, the Clippers jerseys, so uh, they're pretty cool. I, I think it's going to be cool to see them. Yeah, no, I think so too. <laughs> Excuse me. Good time. Thank you. All right, so um, do you have anything else? That's it for me. All right, that's it. That's it for us. So uh, make sure you hit us up on Twitter if you have any questions, uh, or if you want to go ahead and give us a five star review on iTunes, please do that. It helps us out immensely as far as the ratings and as far as the rankings within the iTunes podcast network. Uh, But outside of that, we will talk to you guys next week. Keep on thundering up. Have a good one.